Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, last week, uh, I had the great opportunity to go to South Carolina and visit my twin sister. And uh, let me just say, South Carolina is in full bloom. Azaleas are out. It was 70 degrees every day. And why did I have to come home to snow? There's like four inches of snow on my car. What happened? Can someone just tell me what happened? Is, is it April still here? Or did I go into some vortex time thing that took us back to January? It's a vortex. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, my twin sister and I celebrate a little bit early birthday together. Uh, I'm turning 50 on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, no. Where did the time go? That's all I got to say. 40 was a blink. So those of you that turned 50, is it quicker? Is it is the blink quicker 50 to 60? That's just like, okay, you just wake up and you're like 60. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Ruth goes 84. Uh, yeah. So that, we had a great time. It was good to sell. My sister says she's turning 40. She goes, I don't know about you. I'm turning 40. You can turn 50 all you want. I'm turning 40. So I don't know what's up with that. But um, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, uh, we're, we're starting a new series called Overcoming. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through the book of Philippians. We're going to spend eight weeks in the book of Philippians. I absolutely love the book of Philippians. And here's the reason why. We're going to look at the context and the background of why the Apostle Paul wrote Philippians. And what, what, I want to take a different slant at this book uh, for our study because I want to look at the heart of, of, of the Apostle Paul and how he wrote this book under the extreme circumstances he was under. And when he writes this book, we're going to see the very heartbeat of Paul. And I believe as we go chapter by chapter, and that's what we're going to do uh, for these next eight weeks, we're just going to go chapter by chapter. And um, I, I want us to really understand how did, how did Paul have such a joy in his heart under the extreme circumstances he was under? And there was something that Paul figured out. There was something that he knew that in his life that his circumstances did not have to dictate his love for Christ or his attitude or his joy that he had. And I think for all of us, we understand that life is a series of ups and downs. It's a battle. And Paul figured out how to rightly fight the battle of life with the right attitude. And we're going to look at what the biggest enemy is in our life. And, for, and Paul figured this out. Paul figured out how to work through these situations in his life and continue to have the joy of the Lord in his heart and to have the right perspective of life in his relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, you want to look at the screen, let's jump right in the scripture. We're going to look at the first 11 verses of Philippians this morning. And uh, uh, let's see Paul's heart as he writes this book around 60 AD while he's in prison. And so let's start with verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servant of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseer and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. 
Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and the depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Lord Jesus, as we just come before you, mighty God, Father God, thank you for your word. And I just pray this morning as we just dig into your word that we would realize your word is powerful and it's living and it's active. God, I know every single one of us in this place struggle and life is a battle. And there's sometimes we are just down and life just beats us up. But, but Lord, I pray that our anchor would be Christ Jesus, that our food would be your word, that our joy would not come from our circumstances but from a right relationship with Christ Jesus. So speak to every heart here this morning and that, God, we would have a joy that does not come from this world but comes directly from your Holy Spirit. And so just speak to us, and we thank you for your word. We give it full authority in this place today. For it's in Christ Jesus' name we ask these things. And all God's children said? Uh, Both my boys uh, decided to play football. Now, I was not a football player. I know some of you are saying, really? You weren't? You know, 5'11", I think in high school I weighed 135, 140. I mean, I was highly recruited to play football, right? Uh, Which is not my show. I was a swimmer, tennis player. I did not play contact sports. Uh, My boys got a different gene. I have no idea. Wesley's probably six, almost 6'1 now. He's probably 220. He's a big boy. Colby's 6'2". He's thin, about 185. Uh, They want to play football. Now, against our better judgment, we let them wait, 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 wait. Uh, Colby started when he was a sophomore. Uh, Wesley started, I think, in eighth grade with the local football team here in Ontario. Uh, so they wanted to play. We said, okay. Now, I didn't know a lot about football. I had no, I, did, I watched on TV, you know, but when you start watching a lot and your kids start playing, they start talking, talking about football, you start to, you, you start to really understand the game. And One thing I've learned about football, the game of football, it's very similar to life. Because within four quarters of football, many things can happen within a game. There are highs, there are lows. One minute you're happy, one minute you're not happy because your team hasn't scored or the other team has scored. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Football is a constant game of of struggles. And you have these two opposing Teams And the goal of the offense is to get into the end zone. And the goal of the defense is to keep the offense out of the end zone. And it's a game of yards. Um, And sometimes it's a game of feet and even inches. Within football, you have four downs. And every uh, 10 yards, you can get a first down. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, 10 yards is really not that far to get a first down. And, and let, me just, let me just pace off for you basically what, what 10 yards is. Basically, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, that's about 10 yards. 
Now, you think in a football game, that's not a big deal. How many have ever played football? Played football. Okay. Uh, uh, how many of you played line? You're on the line for football. Okay. Tony, come on down. Come here, Tony. All right. Okay, Tony played line. What, what position did you play, Tony? He played right tackle. Okay, the, the average size NFL. Now, Tony's, he's, now, how many know Tony's bigger than me? Okay, we, we realize that. Tony is bigger than me. Now, the average size NFL player is 6'5", 320 pounds. That, that's a big boy right there, right? You'd say, that's big. Now, 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 Tony, you played high school, college? High school. High school, okay. Now, let's say Tony, he's, let's say he's playing defense, okay? So Tony is, uh, he's, he's, he's guarding, he, he's, he's a guard, he's, that's what he's going to do. He knows, he, boy, okay, calm down, Tony, don't hurt me, okay? <laughs> All right, so, so Tony knows what, what, what he's doing. Okay, Tony, now, if you're playing on the offensive line mm-hmm. and you want to rush the quarterback, you've got to get into a three-point stance, I right? Okay, so you're, yeah, yeah, you're on the defense. Okay, sorry. You can tell. I didn't play football, so thank you. Okay, so get in a three-point stance. Oh, it's been a long time. Okay, you can do it, Tony. There it is. There it is. Look at Tony knows what he's doing. Okay. Good. That's good, Tony. Is this being recorded? Yeah, do you need help getting up? Okay, Tony's good. Okay, so what's the next thing you do? Now, I'm, 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 I'm a guard, right? Right. So I'm guarding the quarterback, okay? Watch the blind side, right? I'm guarding the quarterback. Now, Tony's going to do everything he can to get around me. Now, is Tony going to get around me pretty quickly? You guys have no confidence in me. Okay, so Tony's going to get around pretty quick because he's bigger than me. But you've got two guys that are 300 pounds. It's like a sumo match out, the sumo wrestling match, right? And how many know that, that normally... You're not getting too far. It's, it's, it's feet. That's why 10 yards from there to there is a long distance in a football game because you've got two opposing forces coming against each other that are big, 300 pounds. Thanks, Tony, so much. Tony's a good football player. Give Tony a hand. So here's the thing. Here's the thing I noticed in, in football. You've got these two opposing forces constantly. Sometimes, sometimes you can break through the line. Sometimes you get a lot of yards, but for the most times, it's a game of feet. It's a game of yards. You're basically going, how many you know you, you, get, you get ahead sometimes in life? And that's why I think football is so much in life. How, how many you feel like you, you, get a, you, you, you take a couple steps forward, and then all of a sudden you take a couple steps back? And, and, and you feel like you're getting ahead in your life? Right? And, and, and you watch a football game, you get five yards, and then the next play, the quarterback gets sacked and loses 10 yards. You're like, oh man, we're so close. Now we're first and 15 or first and 20 to try to get the first down. And I think sometimes life is that way, isn't it? Where we feel like we're going to head, and then something comes along and just blindsides us and just whacks us from behind. And, and we're like, man, I thought I was getting so far ahead. And here's what I want you to realize. Life is a battle. If anybody tells you that life is easy, just punch them in the throat, right? Just, just smack them. Because how many of life is not easy. If anybody tells you that the Christian life is easy, punch them in the throat, right? It's not. How many know that living out your Christian walk 
is the most difficult thing you will ever do. And here's the reason why. The reason why is we live in a world and we live in an evil world and we live in a world of struggles and pains. This world is not our home. We're, we're, we're just passing through and the things that we learn through this world are helping to prepare us for this world after. And, and my, my prayer for you as we go through the book of Philippians is that your joy won't come from this world. That actually you'll see your struggles as something that's going to draw you closer to Christ. And that's why Jesus says, in this world you will have troubles, you will have battles, you, you know, you, you're going to have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And this is the peace that I want to give to you. And for some reason, Paul figured this out. Paul understood this in his relationship with the Lord. Life is a battle. Sometimes life seems like it's going smoothly. Other times it's a constant struggle. It feels like there's always something that keeps us from getting ahead. The biggest obstacle in your life is not necessarily out there, but the biggest struggle in your life is in here. It's within your own life. The person you will have the biggest battle with is not someone else. It will always be yourself. And so the thing that we fight most against comes from within. No one talks. Now, and here's the reason why I know this. Because no one talks more to you than yourself. Have you ever lost an argument with yourself? Right? You talk to yourself. And here's the reason why. All of us battle with doubts, fears, worries, insecurity, uh, discouragement, criticism, right? And, and we're constantly battling these thoughts, thoughts of fear, thoughts of insecurity, thoughts of worry, thoughts of criticism. And it's a battle with our mind. Um, professional golfers know this well because they know much of golf is a mind game. It's a mind game because you can see a golfer. There'll be a guy out there that's small and could hit a golf ball. You'll see small women out there, 5'4", five, 5'3", five, maybe a buck 20, and they can hit the ball 280 yards. You're like, what? It's, it's not so much athleticism. It, it, it's this how you know the game and how you, how you hit the ball well. But, it, but it's a mind game much of the time. I remember Ernie Els won four majors uh, great golfer the other day at the masters he was two feet away from the hole to put the ball into the hole and he six putted unheard of it was the highest score ever on the first hole of the masters ernie else has won four major championships up here it was a, it was just a mind thing for him and it happens to all of us, we battle with our mind, we battle with our fears, we battle with our words, we battle with our doubts, we battle with insecurity at times. So how can we walk through these things and not allow them to overcome us? And this is what we're going to learn from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians while he was in prison in Rome, waiting for his death. And this letter that he wrote to the Philippians was the first church that he started in Europe, written around A.D. 60, and there's no big problems necessarily in the church. It's not like he's writing to the Corinthians where there's all these problems and he has to correct them and, and encourage them to, 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 to get on the right path with Christ. There's no real big problems here they need to address. He wrote to encourage them to continue in their maturity in Christ. And as you notice, the language that Paul writes in the first, first 11 verses of Philippians is very encouraging. He, he, he's got very fond thoughts of this church in Philippi. 
And he writes to encourage them to continue their walk in the Lord and to grow in love. Now, you would think someone in prison waiting for death would have a very depressing tone. But that's not the case with the letter to the Philippians. Paul lived a very hard life as a follower of Christ, close to death many times, shipwrecked, thrown out of towns, mocked, imprisoned, flogged. But what kept Paul from going spiraling downward into despair? Because Paul's life really wasn't the epitome. If you would look at it from the outside looking in, you would think, man, Paul really lived a difficult life. I mean, just everywhere he went, it just seems like he had problems and issues. He had this thorn in his side that he even prayed and he couldn't get rid of it. God left it there so he would know his grace. It just seems like Paul went through so much. What kept Paul from despair? And basically despair is a complete loss or absence of hope. What kept Paul from becoming hopeless? Well, we can get to the point of our lives where There's nothing that we look forward to. Life is too overwhelming. I feel like I can't go on. And Paul could have easily fallen into despair many times in his life. But something kept him moving forward or looking forward. Paul had a joy that nothing in this world could take away. And so the book of Philippians gives us an insight to Paul's joy and contentment. And now he's passing this along to the Philippians and and, and ultimately to us here who are listening to the words of Paul. So what gave Paul this joy and kept him from despair? And I believe he's going to give us the answer in this letter. And Paul will tell us what kept him from allowing things to overwhelm him. And so in in this letter, it's written towards the end of, of, of Paul's life. And we see that Paul's gained much wisdom and is able to reflect on his life in Christ and share it with his listeners. And as we go through this letter together over the next eight weeks, this is my prayer for you. It would be the same prayer as Paul opens up this letter. My prayer for you is that you would grow, grow. You would grow in your love. You would grow in your wisdom. You would grow in your knowledge. You would grow in your joy in your relationship with Christ Jesus. And one thing I noticed that pops out to me right away in these first 11 verses of Philippians is how grateful Paul is. How can Paul be grateful? What, what caused him to have a grateful heart in the midst of his imprisonment? Well, Paul had this underlining confidence that wasn't based in his circumstances. Because as he's writing this letter, his circumstances are, are not good. He's in prison. Uh, they're not good circumstances. But yet he writes with this very grateful attitude and almost this joyful attitude as he encourages the Philippian church. It, Paul's confidence echoes the heart of David. In Psalms twenty-seven, thirteen. David says this. David says... I would have despaired. I would have despaired. I I would have become hopeless. But but this is what I trusted. And we know David's life wasn't perfect. We know David made a lot of mistakes. We know David, uh, uh, you know, he sinned. He, he, He did a plethora of stuff. But yet we know David had a heart after God. David says, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, what's interesting about this is what kept David from going into the midst of this despair? What kept David going in the midst of difficult situations? Well, David understood the goodness of the Lord. David said, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The meaning is this, God will 
come through. He is faithful. I may not understand it completely, but I will see God's goodness in my life if I put my hope in him. How could Paul have hope in this miserable situation? His hope wasn't in himself or his circumstances. His hope was in the Lord, who is always good. He's always faithful. David's confidence wasn't within himself but the God he served. No matter what life throws at us, we know this. God is good. No matter what life throws at us, we know that God is good. David says, I would have despaired if my confidence wasn't in the Lord. I know he will see me through. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God will see you through? Do you believe that God is faithful and that he's good in all circumstances? If you believe that, that's going to give you a lot of joy and hope. It's going to give you a completely different perspective of this world. How many of you are like me and you just get easily agitated? You just, I, I, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I just, I, my patience wanes sometimes. You know what I mean? It's just New York drivers. You know, it just, it just, it just happens. You know, I, when I, I was, I was jogging in South Carolina and I was jogging along Rosa, everybody waved at me. I'm like, what? Do you want something? Why are you waving at me? Nobody waves at me when I'm running around. They tell me, get out of my way or they try to run me down. I mean, that's New York, right? Get out of my way. I got to go somewhere. Waiting to turn, you know, to get into, into the shopping center. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go first. Where am I? Where am I? Right? See, here's the thing. David wasn't saying, or Paul is not saying, that they didn't have problems. It's not this denial of, I don't have any problems. Everything is great. Praise the Lord. Right? We, we, we think we have to fake people out because if people think we have problems, then we think they'll look down upon us because we're not trusting the Lord enough. Or maybe that's a, a, a bad sign of, of a person in Christ that's not living to their full potential in Christ, right? Dave, he's not saying that. And Paul's not saying that he doesn't have problems. Paul is not saying that he doesn't have problems or that life isn't hard at times. See, the main issue is this. How do we face our problems and how do we overcome our problems? See, we can allow our circumstances to dictate our lives or we can face life challenges with a whole different attitude. So what I want to do here real quickly, I want to give you two things that Paul is so good that Paul brings out in these first 11 verses of, of why he could have such a joyful attitude in the midst of a very horrible circumstance and even looking back over his life and seeing all the things that he had to endure for Christ's sake. What kept Paul going and why did he have such a, a positive and grateful attitude as he, as he starts this letter off to the Philippians? Uh, I want to look at these, a couple of things. And here's what I want you to see. As we look at these verses, here's a couple of things. First of all, we know, and we discussed this, that, that Paul had a heart of gratitude. You could see the gratefulness in Paul's heart for the, the followers and the believers in the Philippi church. So he, here's the thing. 
when you have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for what the Lord has done, despite the circumstances you may face, there are good fruit that comes forth from that. When you are grateful and thankful, things come forth in your life that show the gratefulness of your heart for Christ and what he's done for you that no circumstance or situation can take away. When you are thankful and you are grateful to the Lord for what he's done, there's going to be a, 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 a product of, of, of righteous fruit that's going to come forth from your life and from your heart. This is what Paul is expressing to the Philippians. He's saying, listen, I am grateful for you. I'm grateful to God. Even though I'm writing this from prison, I am grateful. And it's coming forth through Paul's life. And we're going to see this attitude throughout all the chapters of Philippians as we go through them. So what, what, are, what is the product or the fruit of a grateful heart? Well, here's, what, here's how we know that Paul was grateful. How does Paul start off this, this letter? Well, his heart of gratitude is shown through his encouragement. When you are grateful, you will encourage others. You're not going to be that downer person, right? You're going to be the person when you're grateful, despite your circumstances, you're going to be that person that's going to be encouraging others. What's interesting about the verses is how Paul opens the letter. Not once, not once do you hear him complain about his situation. Not once. He said, whether I'm in change or not, hey, I'm not going to allow this to dictate my heart for Jesus. Not once you hear him complain. And, and as he is writing, he's, he's waiting his trial in Rome. And what he does is he writes to the believers in Philippi to actually encourage them. Go figure. I remember one time I had to go to the hospital and there's this uh, person that was in the hospital and they could not diagnose what they were going through. There's some heart issues and they were there for like a week, two weeks. And it was just, it was frustrating for them because they just couldn't find out. It was back and forth and they'd go home and then they would experience the symptoms again and then have to go back in for days at a time. And it was very frustrating. So I went in, I visited this person and I was going in with this attitude. Like I, they just need encouragement. You know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to encourage them and I'm just going to make them feel all better, right? That, that was, that's my job. That's what I want to do. I just want to encourage them and sit with them and, and pray with them and, 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 and just ask God to encourage them. So I sat down and the person that was there turns and looks at me and says, Pastor, I want to pray for you. Wait a minute. That's my job. You're sick. You don't know what's wrong with you. You're, you've been back and forth and you should be frustrated. You know, you should be mad at the hospital and the doctor. I mean, you, they turned around and they prayed for me and encouraged me in the midst of their difficult situation. I left so encouraged and I'm like, wait a minute, the tables just got turned on me. What just happened here? I was supposed to go in and they prayed for me. And God taught me a huge lesson there through this person. That they did not allow their circumstances to rob their gratitude 
to encourage me. And what it showed me about the heart of this person is that they had a grateful heart for the Lord. Even in the midst of their difficult circumstances, they didn't allow their circumstances to rob them from encouraging someone else. Right? Because when we get discouraged, right? Come on, just you and I this morning, okay? When we get discouraged, we get very critical. Come on, I'm speaking truth here, okay? There is a mirror, I'd be looking in it right now, okay? So we, we, we tend to pull away from that because what we're doing is we're pulling away from the gratitude and the thankfulness of Christ. And so what we end up doing is we end up getting critical and then we stop encouraging. And that's what happens when we get discouraged. And so I want to give you the background of Paul because it even goes deeper here with the city of Philippi. This, this, the city of Philippi shouldn't give Paul a whole lot of warm fuzzies. And here's the reason why, because we understand this through Acts chapter 16. Uh, when Paul went there, uh, he should have had a lot of animosity towards Philippi. Um, it was there that he was illegally re- arrested. He was beaten, literally flogged. He was thrown in jail and he was humiliated. For this reason, when he was preaching the gospel, there was a slave girl who was a fortune teller. She was, she was demon possessed. She was a fortune teller. She was making a lot of money for her master. And she kept going around and just bugging Paul and harassing him. Right? And Paul turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, spirit come out of her. Boom. It was done. And she was, that was it. No more money for her master to make money off the fortune telling. And so this guy had Paul and Silas flogged and then thrown in jail. Now, if you remember, if if you know anything about the story with Paul and Silas, well, they're in jail, right? Waiting for whatever execution, waiting for, for, because of their arrest. What are they doing? They're singing. Oh, how he loves me. I don't know what they're singing. Maybe they're singing that song. I don't know, right? They're singing. And all of a sudden what happens? There's, There's a great earthquake that happens, right? Doors are open. The jailer wants to kill himself. Paul leads him and this whole family to the Lord. And there's this great victory by the Lord. But here, here Paul thinks back of Philippi. And here's all these things that happened to him. Yet even in the midst of being in jail, Paul and Silas are singing praises unto the Lord. A heart of gratitude, a heart of thankfulness. You see, what was Paul thankful for and what brought him joy? It wasn't the place, it was the people. Paul was thankful for the people that came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He kept thinking about that and not the circumstance he was in. Boy, I'll tell you what. When, I, I, we can get so focused on negative things all the time that it just discourages us. And boy, I'll tell you what. When, when people think about me, I want them to think good things, right? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, you know, when people think about me, does it bring joy or a headache? Right? And see, when Paul thought about 
the Philippian believers, it brought him joy. Because he saw their changed lives. He saw what Christ did in them. And for Paul, what he had to endure was worth it because of the fruit that was being produced in the Philippians' lives. Because of their growth in Christ Jesus. In prison, Paul counted his blessings. And it, this is the thing that gave him joy. And how many you know there's enough things in this world that we can complain about? We can always have something to complain about. Always this, that, and the other. And I, I call this the, um, the dust bunny syndrome, right? Have you ever got the dust bunny syndrome? What does that mean? Well, how many know what a dust bunny is? Okay, uh, if you don't know what a dust bunny is, a dust bunny, especially if you have wood floors, you know what I'm talking about. Dust bunnies are these small little dust balls that usually form in the corner of your houses, right? And, and you can sit there and, and sweep and everything else and vacuum, and then all of a sudden the next day you're like, how did that, you know, you see the little dust bunny floating across the floor, right? You're like, man, I just cleaned this house. And, 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 and you may have spent the whole time cleaning, right? And, and, and then someone comes in and says, man, you got, there's some dust in the corner of your house. What's up with that? You know, they got their white gloves on and they're, whoo, and you just cleaned it, right? And somebody else notices the, the dust bunny and, and, and we, we call that nitpicking, right? You see, Paul could have found all the little dust bunnies within the Philippian church, yet he focused on what God was doing and he looked at the big picture. Now, I, I love what Paul says to them. Paul says to them, he who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work is going to be faithful, faithful, faithful to complete it. This group of believers stood with Paul during his imprisonment and they continued to stand firm with Paul and sharing Christ. Paul was grateful for that. And because of that, the fruit of his gratefulness was expressed in his encouragement. Let me say the best thing you can do when you are down is to encourage somebody else. The best thing you can do when you are down or, or just life is throwing you a curveball, or just things aren't going your way. Look to Christ. Look to the cross. Look to the empty grave. Look at the things that God has done in your life. He is faithful to complete it. He that began a good work in your heart at the day of salvation, God's not giving up on you. He's going to complete it. Put your hope in that. And the fruit of that will be encouragement. Well, let me just give you the last thing here. Because of Paul's heart of gratitude, not only was it shown in his encouragement, but it was shown in the way he prays for them and prays for their growth. You see, Paul didn't stop praying just because his circumstances weren't great. In fact, he went to the Lord for prayer and he was continually to pray for the Philippians. Now, now I would, you know, he, he realized they weren't perfect, but he realized they needed to grow and he wasn't going to be discouraged in his circumstances. He was going to continue to encourage them and continue to pray and not give up. I would love to put a sign in front of our church that says this, spiritually under construction. You ever been to a place where it says, um, don't mind us, we're under construction, or, or, or they have a saying like, sorry for our dust, going to an airport or a business that, that's, that's doing some upgrades, sorry for our dust or spiritual under construction. See, what Paul prays for is that they would continually grow in their walk with 
the Lord. How many know that this is not a perfect church? I am not a, a, a perfect pastor. And we could see all the dust bunnies in our lives and all the things that we need to grow. And we could criticize and critique all day long. But are we praying? And Paul prayed that their love would abound. That through this love as it abounds, that they would be discerning and that they would grow in their knowledge for each other and for Jesus Christ. See, this is Paul's prayer. He says, focus on your love, may it grow. Focus on your knowledge and discernment. This comes from the word of God. Show us what real love is. Show us what self-sacrificing love is all about. Paul says, focus on your love. Focus on your knowledge and discernment. This is my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that you would focus on being pure and blameless in Christ. See, Paul could write these things because he knew God was faithful and he was grateful for what God was doing in his heart and his life, even though he was under tremendous difficult circumstances. Nothing could change his heart. See, at the end of the day, the biggest battle you're going to fight, Paul's biggest battle was not the prison cell. Paul's biggest battle was not Rome. Paul's biggest battle was himself. And for many of us, including myself, if we're honest with each other, we lose that battle quite often because we allow discouragement to set in. And it robs us of the joy that Christ desires to give us. And see, I don't know where you are today. The question is, have you lost your focus or are you focusing on the wrong things? Are you fixated on the dust bunnies? Have you lost your joy in Christ? Have you developed a critical spirit? Has despair taken over? Paul's encouragement to the Philippians and to us today is joy comes from Christ. And knowing that you've been set free from your sins, knowing that he's forgiven us, knowing that the promises of God are true, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, that Christ Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise here is that he that began a good work is going to complete it. He's faithful to complete it. He hasn't given up on us. So my, my prayer for you as we just finish in prayer today, and as we close in song, my prayer for you this morning is this. Have you lost focus? Have you lost focus? Is, is, is life beating you up? Are, do you, do you, are you sensing in your heart that you've, you've just been complaining a lot about this, that, and the other? Right? And Jesus says, come back to me. He says, just come back to me. Let me fix your heart. Right? Because how many know one problem gets fixed? Another one comes up. Now, my son Wesley plays inside linebacker. Inside linebackers, they're big boys too. You may be able to get through the line, and all of a sudden, uh-oh, there's a big linebacker coming at you at full speed, and they love that position too. 
The linebackers want you to get through the line because they want to make a tackle too, right? How many of you know that life is that way? The minute we get through one issue, one pops up. Another one, right? And we're like, man, I just thought I got now this, right? Just expect it. If you just expect it, you're going to be able to deal with it a whole different way. And just remind yourself, don't let this rob my joy in you, Jesus, because you're still the same and you're going to be faithful and you're still good. And I'm going to see your goodness in the land of the living. That's my hope. Put your full leverage, your full weight on the promises of God. And so what we're going to do is we go through each chapter, each verse of the book of Philippians. We're going to see Paul's heartbeat. So here's what I would ask you to do. Read through the book of Philippians. Just keep reading through it, reading through it. And uh, you'll be prepared when we talk about it on Sunday morning. So I would just encourage you to read through the book of Philippians. Just keep reading through it, reading through it. And, uh, and, and, and as you read through it, take it from the point of view of Paul's heartbeat and his joy and his gratitude. So let me pray for you this morning. And um, as we pray this morning, if that's you this morning, you say, man, pastor, I... Yeah, that's me. I, I'm honest with myself. I, I, I've, I've kind of slipped a little bit in despair or critical spirit or you know, just lost my focus. And I'm not very joyful. And man, my Christian life's a little crusty. And uh, I'm not showing a lot of encouragement to people or praying for people. I, I've, yeah, and I, I think it is because of my gratefulness. It's robbed it. Just come before the Lord. Jesus is forgiving, he's loving, and he's the only one that can change your heart. Your situation, listen, listen, I could pray for your situation, right? Because every time somebody asks you to pray, you know, could we pray that this situation changes? It may still be there tomorrow, right? But if your heart changes, you're going to look at tomorrow in a totally different set of lenses, right? Because how many know that same boss is going to be there tomorrow? Right? That same circumstance may face you tomorrow. But if your heart changes, and if you don't allow it to rob your joy in Christ, you'll look at it with a completely different set of lenses. So let's pray that, God, before you ever change my circumstance, you have to change my heart. Because that's the issue. That's the issue. So may God change our heart. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that only you can change our hearts. Change our hearts today. Let us, with gratitude and thankfulness, thank you for what Jesus did for us. Lord, our our circumstances may not change, But Lord, we ask that you would change our hearts today. That the joy of the Lord would be our strength today. That what Christ did for us would be our strength. And that Christ's love for us that does not change would be our strength today. Thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That through his difficult circumstances had a heart of gratitude and did not rob him of encouraging and praying for the Philippians. Lord, 
May that be seen in our hearts, in our lives, as we follow you, Jesus. Life is hard. It's going to be a battle. That's expected. Jesus even told us that. But, but Lord, help it not rob our joy because it doesn't change who we are in Christ. No matter what happens tomorrow, it doesn't change my relationship with Jesus. Nothing can take that away. So, Lord, it's a battle of our minds. And help, help us to always turn back to Christ and to find our joy in him and that the fruit of that joy would be seen in how we encourage, how we pray, and how we look at our circumstance, our circumstances. So thank you, Lord, for your word today. Heal our hearts today, God. We, every single one of us in this place, we just, we go wayward from one time or another. We get down, we can fall into despair. Change our hearts today, we pray, as we just worship you. As we sing these words to you, God, I just pray that you would just do a new, fresh work in each and every one of our hearts. So thank you. Thank you for not giving up on us, Jesus. Thank you for the promise that Paul gives us, that he that began a good work is faithful to complete it. Thank you for that promise. And we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name.